welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Three years ago, I was stuck in Brussels airport having missed my flight home. I grabbed something from Starbucks thinking it was gluten-free and it ended up being the opposite. And that was a problem because at the time I was gluten intolerant and I ended up throwing up on the plane on the way home. That Sunday at church, Jackie Pullinger was speaking and as I was standing out the back trying to find a seat, Anna Beasley came running out and said to me, somebody's just had a word about people being healed with gluten intolerance or with celiac disease. So I went up to the front and somebody prayed for me. And as they were praying, I felt Holy Spirit prompt me to just test it and see what had happened. And my faith was quite high at that moment. It hadn't always been when people had prayed because I'd had it for for a number of years. But after the service, I went to uh, meet the Greek and grabbed a kebab. And after eating it, I felt completely fine. So I decided to keep on testing it for the next week. And I wrote a list of all of the things that I hadn't been able to eat for the, the past few years ticked them all off and felt completely fine and knew that I'd been fully healed from the intolerance. It really raised my faith. It showed me how kind and how loving God is as well. I can remember being in the hospital for four weeks after an infection when septic. It infected my whole body, but the part that was mostly affected was my leg. And I was told that, you know, um, the infection had gone into my bone, all my lymph nodes were infected. I could not walk, I could not put my leg down because it was so painful. And uh, literally, I was told that they're going to have to amputate the leg. And uh, when I had this news, I, I sent a message to friends and family telling them what I've just been told. And, when peop- and people began to pray. And then when they prayed for me, the following day, the consultant came back again. He said he's had a look at the result and he thinks there's something that they could do to to see if they can save my leg. And um, they did what they did. And then my leg was saved and I was and my leg was not amputated. And I was miraculously healed from an infection that could have almost killed me. And I believe that was God. I believe that was a miracle from God. One of the ways I've seen God move in signs and wonders is through financial provision. And there was a season in my life when I lived in America and I was out there studying and because of visa laws, I wasn't able to earn any money. And even though I'd saved up hard before I went out so I could provide for myself, they got a point when I ran out of money and I had to figure out what to do. And I was praying about it and praying for provision, praying for an answer to my financial crisis. And there was this one day in worship at church, this guy came up to me and he said, I just feel like God said to me that you are in financial need and I'm supposed to buy you some groceries. And he provided for my need of food. But the crazy thing that happened from that moment, there was about a five month period when I couldn't earn and I didn't have money to pay rent or to buy groceries. And there was never a moment in the next five months when I was in lack. There was always a moment when someone came up to me when I just ran out of food or when I just needed to pay rent and God had spoken to them to provide for my needs. And so one of the ways that I've seen God move in signs and wonders is through providing for all of my needs. Hi, my name is Julie and I have a story to share of God's love of his goodness and his healing powers. 
Late summer of 2016, I began feeling ill. I was breathless and I had a cough. I had an x-ray which showed something suspicious. Two weeks later, I was given the diagnosis that I had stage four lung cancer. It was small cell, wild type and not treatable. I was told by my oncologist that all she could offer me was palliative treatment and that my prognosis was four to 12 months. I was devastated and very scared. After the initial shock of receiving a death sentence, I lived the next few days in the trauma of telling my children, my elderly father and close friends. And there's nothing more sobering than to come very close to death when you assume that life is assured. In fact, life is a precious gift, not my right, and I had forgotten that. I remember praying for healing and that God would use my testimony to reach people and change lives. I had an incredible sense of peace. Worship and prayer were incredibly important parts of my journey. As a worshipper, I felt cheated that my lungs had been targeted and I couldn't sing. The first time I was well enough to go to church, the band was singing, Great Are You Lord, It's Your Breath in My Lungs. I stood and I breathed in the Holy Spirit and I just cried out to God. I had palliative chemotherapy and to my oncologist's amazement, the primary lung tumour began shrinking, the liver tumour disappeared and my rib healed. I lost my hair twice, hence the, the mop that I have at the moment. By June 2017, all traces of cancer had disappeared, but my oncologist warned me that it would return. I was the only person in her experience who had responded in such a way. And to be honest, she was delighted, but totally flummoxed and nervous for me. So long story short, I'm here, cancer free, nearly four years later. I believe that God is a God of miracles. I believe that God is our healer. And I, I declare that he is good and he is sovereign. Amen. Last year, when I went to wildfires, I realized I was missing the presence of God in my life. I asked the Holy Spirit to just bring me back into that intimate relationship that I had with God. And while I was there, I experienced great moments of feeling his presence. I went for, forward for prayer many times and really felt God speaking to me. When I came back two weeks later, I was brushing my teeth and I saw a gold tooth in my mouth. I couldn't believe it. It used to be a half a crown, silver crown. And I asked God why, and he said just because he could, it was a present from him to me. I have a daily reminder now that God is with me every time I open my mouth to brush my teeth, but also just when I'm speaking and just knowing that he's there. So I thank God that he is always with me and I'm still amazed that he chose to do such a, a weird and a wonderful thing. So God has a sense of humor and he does perform amazing signs and wonders even when we don't ask for them. everyone I am so excited to be able to share with you this morning you know I think that we all love hearing these beautiful powerful stories of God at work in the lives of people and I think one reason is because it reminds us that God still answers prayer he makes beautiful things out of broken things that he takes dead things and causes them to burst with life and with color our God still works powerfully, miraculously in our world today. Through our work with 
uh, Elam Ministries in the Iran region, I have had the privilege of hearing so many stories over the years of God working through signs, wonders, whatever you would call them. Beautiful stories. And I love hearing them and I love sharing them. Um, and they're, they're different kinds of stories. Some of them just are, are just stories that make you smile, warm your heart, just just show you that without doubt, God is working. God is there. I remember my friend Vahid uh, went to plant a church in a new city, in a city without a church. Uh, he went there. He was young. He was inexperienced. He really had no idea what he was doing, but he just went to go and tell people. And so he had a smaller department. He began to invite people to come. A few people would gather in his living room and he said to me that he would go into his bedroom. People were sitting in his living room. They'd go into his bedroom and he would pray and say, God, I I have nothing to give these people. I've got no words to say. You need to turn up. And God would turn up time after time. And one day a lady came. She had never read the Bible before. She'd really never met a Christian apart from the person who invited her to come to the church. She came and she said to Vahid, Sir, I had a dream. And in my dream, I heard these words. The stone the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. I have no idea what those words mean. Can you explain them to me? Vahid is shocked. He turns to First Peter, reads the verse, the exact words that she'd seen in her dream. He, she is absolutely, uh, absolutely surprised and, and shocked. And she, right there and then, she gives her life to Christ. And just a few weeks later, Vahid was able to baptize her. Uh, um, just a, a while ago, um, one of our pastors in the in the region, he and his wife, very, very sane people, very normal, not given to exaggeration. They saw a miracle in their church. They had a new believer, somebody who'd been a believer for a few months, and uh, she had uh, gone blind in one eye. They were having a worship service, a, a home group, actually, a home group service. And uh, just before that, her daughter, a teenager, had given her life to Christ. She came to the home group. And in the home group, um, they were praying, they were worshiping, and the daughter prays for the first time out loud. A very simple prayer. Lord God, would you heal my mother's eye? At that time, the mother had been praying with her hands over her eyes. And as she heard her daughter's prayer, she suddenly felt something go. Something happened in her eye and she opened up her eyes. And then she put her hands back. She kept one eye over the good eye and realized she could see with the eye that had been blind. And she just went berserk, as you can imagine. The whole place went berserk. And actually, somebody had the uh, the presence of mind to start filming with their, with their phone. And here you can actually see footage of that little home group worshiping Jesus. And they worship Jesus for hours that evening, just thanking him for the fact that he came and he did a sign, he did a wonder in their midst. Uh, We are in a series on the book of Acts and we're looking to learn from the early church so that we can be ready ourselves for a great move of God in our community and in this nation. And uh, part of what marked the early church was signs and wonders. 
And as you read the book, you see right from the beginning, you see signs and wonders, God working spectacularly. There are healings. There are dreams. There are other divine interventions. And some of it, quite frankly, is more like watching a, a serious action movie. There are three prison breakouts in the book of Acts. I love Acts chapter 12 where um, Peter's asleep in prison and the angel comes and the Bible says, doesn't just tap him on the shoulder. He says, the angel struck him and said, hey, let's get out of here. You can just imagine Peter just a bit disoriented running through. In Acts chapter 9, you have Saul, the great persecutor of the church, this dramatic encounter with, with Jesus and he becomes Paul. So many ways that God shows that he's alive and that he's at work. But here's the question. That was 2,000 years ago. Can God really work in the same way today in this generation, in this country, in the UK in 2020? And here's my simple answer. A resounding yes, absolutely 100%. Or as Pete Gregg often says, you better believe it. You better believe it. So whatever the circumstance, whatever the challenges, whatever the cultural narrative, please listen, whatever the circumstance, whatever the challenges, whatever the cultural narrative, God is able. And when he asks us to do something and we engage with that, he shows up. He does the impossible. So what I want us to do is I want us to read a passage from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 21 to 31, because I believe it's a passage that shows us uh, some, some very important lessons about how the church grows and the role of signs and wonders. We're picking up the story after Peter and John have, um, have seen a lame man healed, uh, the onlookers are astonished. The city's got a little bit uh, excited. The chief priests are in uproar. They arrest Peter and John, and then they warn them not to speak in the name of Jesus ever again. And this is where we pick up the story. So John, um, sorry, uh, Acts chapter 4, 21 says this. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together to, in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. 
after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. What a beautiful passage. I want to share three uh, key points that I see in this passage that I hope will be helpful to us. Uh, And the first one is this. Very simply, the disciples believed that nothing could stop the work of God. They were very aware of the threats that they had just received. The chief priests, uh, and the, they had got them, they had arrested them, they had threatened them, and then they had threatened them again. They told them, do not speak in the name of this God. There's, but they, they, they heard the threats and they came back and they even told their friends. They said, this is what they said. They're very aware of what was said. But they responded like this. They said, sovereign Lord, you made the heaven and the earth. You are God. And, and so there is this deep conviction. There is this deep conviction in them that whatever the challenges, whatever the opposition, whatever is being said from outside, whatever looks impossible, that nothing can stop the word of God. Nothing can stop the work of God. And I've seen this time and again over the years in the story of Iran's church. Um, You know, in 1979, there was an Islamic revolution in Iran. Uh, Ayatollah Khomeini came and established a hardline regime. At that time, there were only 500 Christians from a Muslim background in Iran. You imagine there are more Christians at Emmaus Road Church than there were Christians from a Muslim background in the whole nation of Iran at that time. And the Islamic regime came, put pressure on the church. Pastors were spied on. Bibles were banned. Evangelism were banned. was banned. Uh, eventually, leaders were martyred. Pressure came on the church. And people thought that that small church would wither away and die. But instead, the opposite has happened. Why? Because there is a deep, deep conviction that nothing can stop the work of God. In fact, I remember being in Iran in 1985. We walked in to a church, a little church off the streets of Tehran, walking on the streets of Tehran, the symbols of, uh, of the religion of uh, Islam everywhere, big signs of the Ayatollah. My sister was forced to co- cover her hair as a 13-year-old. We walked to the church and I just have this distinct memory of the Christians praying with such passion and with such zeal and with tears for the nation. And I remember thinking, can God answer their prayer? But they had such conviction in their prayer. And here we are today, the church is growing, it's flourishing every single day. Evangelism was banned, but the church is the most evangelistic church that I know of. The Bibles were banned, but it's the most sought after book in the country. Uh, leaders were tried, they tried to kill off the leaders, imprison the leaders, but eventually one official said, there are too many to jail. Guys, uh, when we have this conviction that whatever the cultural narrative, whatever people are saying, that the work of God cannot be stopped, then that's the beginning of seeing great things. What about us in the UK? There's a lot that's being said about what we can and we can't do as a church. Do we believe 
that nothing can stop the work of God. Secondly, we see that the disciples were completely focused on their mission. They were absolutely focused on their mission. In other words, they knew exactly what they were about. You look at the priority of their prayer in verse 29. They didn't pray for protection. They didn't pray for favor in government and better situation for the church. They simply prayed, Lord, let enable us to speak your word boldly. Enable us to speak your word boldly. And uh, they knew their mission. That's what they did. Uh, We see it right throughout the book of Acts. Wherever they went, they would preach. Wherever they went, they would speak about Jesus. That was the core of what they were doing. Why? Because they, though they had seen lots of miracles, though they had seen signs and wonders, they never became signs and wonders chasers. They were always gospel proclaimers. They knew that the signs and wonders were not the good news, that Jesus is the good news. Signs and wonders don't save. Jesus saves. They weren't in love with signs and wonders. They were in love with Jesus, and that's who they wanted to proclaim. So under that pressure, under that moment, they said, Lord, help us to speak your word boldly, because that's the core of who we are. And I think that's so important for us as we think and we want to say and we want to pray for this nation. It's not first signs and wonders. It's, Lord, first enable us to speak your word boldly. And that's what's happening in the church in Iran. All the time we see it. We see evangelists proclaiming the gospel. But here's what I want to say. This is not big time evangelists. This is regular people. That's the beauty of what's happening. It's just regular Christians, just like you, like me, who just say, Lord, I want to be a witness. And they simply go to people and say, I've met Jesus Christ. He's changed my life. Would you know him? I think of a young girl who um, just about six, eight months ago, I heard this story, um, who had come to faith. And the person who was discipling her knew she was afraid because when they met, she would speak in whispers. And she was hardly, she was just conscious of her surroundings all the time. And she even said to the lady who's discipling her, if my father finds out, then I'm probably, uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, they came to, um, in the discipleship process to encourage her to evangelize. And the lady who was discipling her was saying, this is maybe difficult, but is there anyone you can tell? Let's pray that God will give you the opportunity. She didn't really expect it. But a week later, this terrified young Christian came to her friend and said, I've led my brother and my sister to Christ. Within six weeks, she'd led six members of her family and friends to Christ. And she told her parents who didn't become Christians, but said, you can have a house church in our home. Friends, um, the gospel expand, the gospel progresses when we believe without doubt that nothing can stop the, uh, the work of God. When we have a deep conviction of what, what we're called to do, we understand our mission. And then thirdly, uh, and quickly, the disciples absolutely believed that signs and wonders would follow them. They uh, then prayed, Lord, stretch out your hand and do signs and wonders and healings. 
because they had seen that Jesus is alive. They knew that he would do this and they'd heard him. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation and these signs will accompany you. And Matthew 28, Jesus says, go into all the world. And he says, lo, I, I am, behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. They knew that Jesus is with them in this mission. Therefore, they can see signs. They can see wonders. They can see the work of God in the lives of people. And, uh, and they immediately saw it after that. They, they were all in one mind immediately. Can you imagine that? That's a, that's a great miracle. All the believers, verse 32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. They immediately saw an answer to their prayer. That's a different kind of miracle, but it's a miracle. Nonetheless, it's an amazing miracle. People were giving, but then in Acts 5.12, you see the Bible says the, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And we're seeing that in Iran today. Yesterday morning, I heard of a man who had a tumor, a three-inch tumor, completely disappear overnight after prayer. Um, amazing. Uh, I heard of an, another dream yesterday. Actually, yesterday I heard of a dream uh, uh, that led somebody to Christ. Today, I heard a beautiful story. A 10-year-old boy who was, um, this. I just heard this today, who um, blind, 10-year-old boy, blind 10-year-old boy, and they were praying for him. The Holy Spirit touches him so powerfully. He's in tears and tears and tears. He comes up afterwards. They say, why are you crying? He says, I saw Jesus, and that's all the healing that I need. So as we finish, I want to say, my friends, whatever the circumstance, whatever the challenges, whatever the culture is telling us our God has given us a mission and nothing can stop that mission. He does the impossible. So I want to say let's live with conviction that nothing can stop the work of God. Let's be focused on our mission and ask God to enable us to speak his word boldly. You know, if I'm honest, uh, I hear that prayer often in the Iran region. I hear it very seldom in the UK. It's not the natural prayer of Christians in this part of the world. And I pray that it will become the natural pray that prayer that we pray. Lord, help us to speak your word boldly and let us follow that with a faith-filled prayer that he would stretch out his hand and do miracles. I believe the time is coming for the UK. If I look back, I see uh, similar things to what I saw years and years ago in Iran when people were praying and the, the beginning of of a trickle that moves into a flow and then into a stream and then into a river. And I believe the same thing can happen here in the UK, but it's going to take this level of conviction that nothing can stop the work of God, that we will pray that whatever happens, we speak his word boldly. And we also pray with faith that he will turn up, that he'll do signs and wonders.